This is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. Hello and welcome. This is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. I am Deborah Howell, and today our guest is Dr. Mario San Bartolome, Medical Director, Addiction Medicine Program, Memorial Care Center for Mental Health and Wellness, Community Hospital, Long Beach. He oversees medical detoxification as part of a more comprehensive addiction medicine program for those willing and ready to seek help for either alcohol or drug addiction. Such important work you do. Welcome, Dr. San Bartolome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, addiction can affect anyone regardless of age, race, or income. So, doctor, please, could you just give us the clinical definition of addiction? Sure. Well, the American Society of Addiction Medicine um, over the last few years have presented a a very, very comprehensive definition. And the short version really is uh, that addiction is a, a primary chronic disease with a brain reward, motivation, and memories related circuits. Uh, these dysfunctions uh, in the circuit, they lead to characteristic biological, psychological, social, and spiritual manifestations. Uh, we, we see that as behaviors, and this is, you know, reflected really in the pathological pursuit uh, of reward or relief, in some cases, by substance use and other behaviors. Interesting so there's, there's that you actually mentioned a, lot. A, a spiritual component. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm not talking about religion there, but... If you've ever sat with somebody in the in the uh, in the peak of withdrawal, or when they've maybe lost everything, uh, they've lost their family, they've lost their money, their career, their own shame, and uh, really at that point, what they have left is what I would really consider to be a really a spiritual aspect of things, and that's oftentimes the only thing they have left to pull themselves out of it. Right. Right. And how do people go from trying drugs or alcohol to becoming addicted to a substance? Well, that's a great question because, you know, we know that most people that experiment with substances don't become addicts and alcoholics. So there's something there that's different. And a lot of it, and this varies between the substances, but it it can have a genetic component to it uh, as well as a component of the environment. Or some of the research now is showing this area of epigenetics where it's actually the expression of the gene. So in the case of alcohol, for example, uh, you can have up to uh, 50 to 60 percent concordance uh, for, for alcoholism. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily pan out for other substances. But, uh, and, and, and it's not so much the way people would traditionally think about genetics uh, as inherited. The, you know, you're born and you don't come out wanting a vodka tonic if, right. uh, just because you have the genetic predisposition. Uh, but, for example, you might have protective mechanisms. Uh, there are certain groups, for example, there's a large uh, proportion of Asians uh, that, for example, when they have alcohol, will, be, will get flushed, they'll feel nauseated, they'll feel horrible. And the likelihood that that person becomes an alcoholic is low, and that's directly related to the production of an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase. And so that's, a, that's an example of how, some, in some genetic ways, some people can actually be protected versus somebody that doesn't get ill, and that person may have a higher predisposition for continuing the right be- those behaviors in the right environment. Wow. Incredible how much we're learning, isn't it? Absolutely. How common is drug and alcohol addiction, doctor? Well, it's very common. Uh, we have a few very good surveys that are done, both in schools and, and at the general public, uh, that we, we rely on. And, 
you know, in, in 2013, there were about 20, almost 25 million individuals that were age 12 and over that, that had current illicit drug use. Uh, that's about 9.4% of that population age 12 or older. If we look at the adolescents, those are 12 to 17, there were about 2.2 million of those that were also current illicit drug users, and those are the ones that actually just admitted to it. We know that that number is likely to be uh, fairly large, so it's, it's, it's very prevalent. And in each type of group that you'd be talking about, uh, there's a different risk profile. So if you're talking about patients that come into the ER for trauma, well, that subgroup of people, for example, will have a very high incidence of, of, of alcohol and drug use uh, versus some other groups. But that's the general uh, overall. And, and oftentimes you can see this pretty early on in life. So you start seeing some of the signs fairly early on in, in adolescence. So how early does the substance abuse typically begin? Well, typically you can start seeing the signs for some of the youth 10, 11, 12 years old, it's oftentimes when people start having their first cigarette. I've had patients as young as six years old being mm. exposed to uh, alcohol, uh, usually because of family events or, you know, uh, your uncle thinks it'd be cute to have you have a little bit of a sip or something uh, when people are toasting because it's Christmas. And people get exposed, and depending on the environment they're in and the things that might happen to them, and this is where the interplay between genetics or environment kind of come together. In, in that kind of an environment, if bad things happen and you're not able to cope with change, which, which is kind of another, there's a, there's a concept in there uh, that comes from the psychiatric side where if you're not able to cope with things in productive ways that are more that are meaningful, then what happens is you, you look for other ways, oftentimes substances, and, and so they kind of play together. Mm-hmm. So, but, but right around that age, we really started seeing it. At one point, not too long ago, we had, uh, when we were, we were doing surveys of 8th graders, 7th, 8th graders, and 10th graders and 12th graders, that by the time they were in the 8th grade, uh, almost 50 to 60% were already uh, having used with, within the last month some sort of an illicit substance. Oh, it's heartbreaking and just staggering. So as a parent, what are some of the behavioral changes that you can recognize in, in your, your kids or a loved one and if you're worried about addiction? Sure. And some of the changes that we see can be a little bit difficult to catch if you're in the middle of it all. Mm-hmm. But, but for example, self-isolation is a very common one that when you start seeing somebody begin to withdraw, they're not calling you back, they're not going out anymore. Uh, People that get angry when you make ask them questions or confront them about their substance use, that can often be a, a tip-off. Uh, mm-hmm. People that sometimes go to multiple physician visits for the same problem. So you say, well, why do you have four or five doctors that you go see for your back pain? And uh, that can sometimes be a sign that they're actually doctor shopping and they're getting prescription opioid pills for pain, for example, from five doctors that don't know, one doesn't know about the other. Hmm. Uh, and then sometimes there's, there's behaviors that you see where people are just hiding things uh, around the house. They get anxious when the co- when the possibility of of being separated from their medication comes up, mm-hmm. or or the substance. So even vacations, uh, talking about vacations, can become quite anxiety provoking for people if they are used to say having five, six, ten drinks a night, and they know that wherever they go, that they probably won't be able to do that. And they may start having withdrawal symptoms, which 
really, if you look at withdrawal symptoms, depending on the substance, can make the person feel like they're actually dying. And, wow. and, and if they're on a short-acting substance like heroin, for example, that could happen every few hours. So it's, it's quite... It's wow, quite it's... It's so deep, Dr. Dr. Bartolome. What what about physical changes? Those are the behavioral ones. Um, What do we see in our our loved ones? Wow, well, physical changes are are huge, and it really depends, again, on the substance. But to take the uh, probably one of the most impactful ones, alcohol, there's almost no organ spared. But, of course, the ones that people usually think about are liver failure. But there's other ones, like you can have heart disease, like cardiomyopathy, you have a higher incidence of uh, arrhythmias of the heart. Uh, you can increase the risk of stroke. You have blood pressure problems that go up and down, uh, gastrointestinal bleeding, anemias. When uh, certain organs are affected from, from uh, alcohol and drug use, you can have impaired immune system uh, function. So it predisposes you to things like aspiration, pneumonias. And uh, really, there's, there's almost no organ affected in, in the long run if there's chronic exposure. All of these signs and symptoms are heartbreaking, and some of them are really severe. So what is the first step of treatment for someone struggling with addiction? Well, the first step in treatment really does have to do with uh, just, you know, it, it kind of maybe cliche, but that first step really, the people that uh, created the AA's uh, steps, the 12 steps, kind of have a good idea of, of, of of a good approach, and that, that the first thing is that the person has to be in a position to admit that they have a problem and that they're powerless over that substance, that their lives have become unmanageable, and that they have to do something. And oftentimes that's where we'll see somebody, is at that crossroads where they've come to the conclusion that, you know, all those roles that they had in life as father, as provider, as a wife, that, that they're failing at all those because of the effects of alcohol or drugs. So once that person gets to that point and reaches out, and, and hopefully there's somebody that they come across that will, will get them to, to professionals that can, that can help them. But it can also be as easy as talking to the, their primary care doctor that may be able to, to provide a, a good re- referral to, to a program or to another, a professional that knows where to start. Because on, on our end, on the side of the physicians or, or other providers, what we need to do when we have a patient that's like that is assess where they're at in terms of the possibility of complications to withdrawal. So from substances like alcohol and benzodiazepines, which are sedatives like, like Valium and Xanax, you can actually die from withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, and that's something that people don't think about. They, you know, they say, oh, why don't you watch just white-knuckle it, just you know, go through it. Wow. But if, if, the wrong, if the wrong person actually... So it's from substances like uh, those, you know, particular alcohol, those sedative hypnotic, if you withdraw, you can have seizures or conditions that are very serious that are called delirium tremens. And so for those patients, we screen out and we say, if you have any underlying medical conditions, for example, heart disease um, or the propensity for psychosis, any other psychiatric conditions, because depending on... Uh, what your other comorbid conditions are, you, you, you are at risk for some very serious things. So that kind of a person would need to be probably placed in the hospital in a program okay. like ours versus Do- an outpatient. 
Dr. San Bartolome, thank you so much for your time today. We could go on for hours, but uh, my last question to you is how can people find out more information about the Addiction Medicine Program at Community Hospital Long Beach? Well, the best way would be to look at the website, um, at Memorial Care, uh, under the Community Hospital Long Beach Center for Mental Health and Wellness, uh, or to call directly. And uh, the phone number is 855-245-2443. And if they have questions, we always have an intake person that can talk it through with them. They don't have to know all the answers. And uh, if need be, they will contact me as well, and I can help situation and figure out what's appropriate for that person to help them. Thank you so, so much. And also, you can find out more about addiction or listen to a podcast of this show at memorialcare.org. That's memorialcare.org. Thank you again, Dr. San Bartolome. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. I'm Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day.